Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Give it up for our musicians, amen, singers. I'm a PK, so of course my dad will often do that. Give me an E minor, give me an F, give me a B, give me a C. He's spelling out words like a cheerleader, I don't know. He's like, just play it. Just give me an F, B flat, C. I'm like, Dad, that plays 50 songs. Just just play it, doesn't matter. So thank you, sister, for playing with me, amen. Amen, being flexible, I like that, amen. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. If my dad's watching, I love my dad. He's a great guy. Amen. Awesome guy. Praise God. Romans 4, 20 and 21. The Bible says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. This is talking about Abraham, the patriarch of the faith. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you just for a few moments on this topic, your level of persuasion, your level of persuasion. Amen. Abraham, we know if, if you've read your Bible at all, you have probably stumbled across Abraham, Abram, who became Abraham, the, the patriarch of the faith, the father of nations, the one that modeled a life of faith for us to follow. He was told by God, if you read his story, to leave uh, his family, to leave everything he knew and to go into a place that the Lord would show him. He said, just go off and, and, and follow me. <laughs> go where I'm going to lead you. Anybody had the Lord tell you that? Sometimes that's a scary thing to hear the Lord say. Just come on, just start walking and I'll show you where you need to go. Genesis 12, 1 is where we find uh, the Lord talking to Abram about this. And the Lord said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee. Here's an awesome promise of God. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them, curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him and Abram was seventy. Five years old when he departed out of Haran. Abraham simply obeys and begins the walk of faith. And at 75 years old, now back then that wasn't a big deal. Today, man, that might be a bigger deal. If you've just got a great life, you're living in retirement. We might have some retired people in here. Everybody's probably average age of our elders is 40, maybe. Let's say that. They don't know what retirement's like, man. They're ready to keep serving till the day they die. Praise God. Thank God for our elders. Amen. And Abraham is an old man by our standards today. And I, I, I think if we take a moment, we would understand that God does not care about your age. Let's be honest. If you think for some reason because you've served God 60, 70 years, you get a pass. I don't think so. I'm not, it's not disrespect to our elders. I think it's just Bible that God doesn't call us to just be saved and not do anything. And once we reach a certain age, we just don't do anything. Or because you're so young, you get a pass. We wouldn't say that to our young people. Young people, you get a pass. Come on, Brother Cox, I'm sorry. I better move off of that. I have a guy in my church. He is 73 years old, and God just filled him last two weeks, uh, last month with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you knew this guy's story, man, he came from some rough stuff. And he came to our church two, all, three years ago now. He was the first person I ever baptized in Jesus' name, and I was able to pray him through the Holy Ghost with my mom. We were on a Wednesday night Bible study. We were just having church like no, We just having normal church. Anybody just have yeah, just average church? You're just there just to have a good time? Well, he came up, and he wanted something more than just a good time. It was his day of reckoning. It was his day of salvation, and God filled him that day. 
Amen. I remember he came to the church and he said, Dave, if you knew what I had done, if you knew all the things I've been through, you wouldn't have anything to do with me. I looked at him. I said, man, I said, I don't really care what you've done. It's not up to me to judge you. All I'm here to tell you is that if you give your life wholly and completely to God, he'll change your life. And I'm going to tell anybody here in this place the same thing. You may come in with a bad rap sheet and everybody, if they knew everything you've done and they just read your list, yeah, they'd want nothing to do with you in the flesh, but in the spirit. We say, hey, I know a God that's able to forgive, not because of some grand thing that we might know in the cosmic world, but the reason I know it is because he's forgiven me, and if God has forgiven me, I know he can forgive you. It doesn't matter our age, how old, or how young. God is calling us to do something for him. And the thing is, Abraham did not know how it was going to happen. All he was told was simply go. And too often what we get wrapped up in is how is it going to happen? God, how are you going to do it? I'll go if you just show me how it's going to happen. God, I'll go if you just show me when it's going to happen or or who you're going to use to make this happen. Now, sometimes God just says, go and trust me. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Where sometimes you, you, God gives you a word and you simply go and you've got no clue how it's going to happen. And that's faith. And that takes a lot of faith. We get so focused on the how, the when, and the why that we forget the who that called us. We forget that it was the Lord of glory that called us. And friend, when the Lord of glory calls you, it doesn't matter who is standing in your way or who's not helping you along the way. You're going to get to where he wants you to go because he is God. And if he calls you, he's going to empower you to go. It came down to a choice for Abraham. Will I obey and go or will I stay put? Will I go after the promise that I've just been given or will I ignore it and just stay where I'm at. But we know what the story is, is that he goes after and he chooses to obey the command of God, trusting that God will fulfill his promise. But of course, it wasn't easy. If we know the story at all, we know it was marked with ups and downs, failures and victories. Because just because we say yes to God doesn't always mean troubles, problems, or future problems all of a sudden go away. It is in those moments when life does not go your way that your true devotion to God is revealed. Abraham had no children, yet the promise was what? I'm going to make you a great nation. Again, had he been so focused on the how, he never would have walked into the promise. An old man, 75 years old, God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. That means you got to have some descendants, and he's got no children. Him and his wife were old. Yet God fulfilled the promise and gave them a child. And now we read in the story that the promised child was born. God says, all right, I want you to go up on the mountain and I want you to make me a sacrifice with that promised son. (laughs) Abraham, he didn't understand why God would give him a promise and then take it away. But he obeyed God anyway and God provided a ram instead. Today we might be wondering Maybe some of you have thought this. I've thought it before in my life. God, you've given me promises and you've spoken a word to me. Yet it seems like that promise is long gone. It seems like it just died years ago in the desert somewhere. It seems like I made one wrong turn and that that promise is just over and done. Maybe somebody here knows what I'm talking about. And we, and we we ask God, God, why would you give me this word from you? And then it seems like you've just taken it away, friend. It is in those moments when you choose to simply trust his word. It might not make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to anybody, really, if we're thinking in the flesh. But if we're in the spirit, all we really have sometimes is the word of God, a simple word. that I will do it. You look at the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. If you know that story, she saw the prophet Elisha come by and she told her husband, man, I perceive this is a man of God. Let's build him a little room so when he comes, he can stay and and he has somewhere, when he's weary in his travels, he can stay and just hang out and relax and go on his way. So her husband builds this room and the prophet comes and stays there and he says, call, he says to Gehazi, his, his servant, he says, go and call that Shunammite. He doesn't even, we don't even know this woman's name. All he calls her is a Shunammite woman. 
All we know about her is that she's pretty prominent in her community and that she's got a lot of friends and family and that she's pretty happy with that. He calls her and he says, hey, what do you want me to do? You, you know, do you want me to give you audience with the king? Do you want me to give you, you know, let, let you uh, uh, talk to the captain, the host, or whatever, all these big shots? Do you want audience with them? She says, no, nah, I don't need any of that. He said, but I don't have a son. I don't have a child. And he looks at her and says, hey, this time next year at the appointed time, you're going to have a child. And she looks at the man of God and says, don't, I'm paraphrasing, don't mess with me, man of God. Don't tell me something like that and it's not going to happen. And he says, nah, you're going to have a child. And the Bible says, at that time, she had a child. And the crazy thing about this story, as I was reading it, I, I'm a father now myself. My son is two years old. And I, and I was reading this story of this woman where the Bible says one day when the child was older, he had grown up a little bit, he was out in the field with his dad, and he simply said, my head, my head. And his dad says, I said to his servant, go take him to his, go take him to his mother. He's something, you know, something's wrong with him, whatever. And so he goes and he sits in, the, in his mother's arms, and the mom holds him till he dies. Man, what a story, huh? Man, if you're a parent, that ought to tug a little bit on your heartstrings. Or man, this is my promise. Imagine this woman sitting there thinking, this is my promise. And I watched my promise die in my arms. The man of God promised me this child. And yet here, this child dies in my arms. <laughs> yet the amazing thing about this story, if you read it, I encourage you to go and read it, 2 Kings chapter 4. The Bible says she took up that child, that dead promise in her arms, and she went into the prophet's room and she laid that boy on the prophet's bed. Why would she do that if she's getting ready to bury this kid? Friends, she wasn't getting her son ready to be buried in a grave. She was getting ready to have her son resurrected and brought back to life because she knew something. If the man of God promised it to me, this is a promise from God. And not even death itself can keep the promises of God from being fulfilled. The Bible says she went after the man of God and she said, my son is dead. He came back and that boy resurrected back to life. Friend, when you're convinced uh, that the promise God gave you is real, uh, nothing's going to stop you. Nothing's going to keep you from seeing the promise of God come to pass. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of persuasion in your spirit uh, that I know God gave me this word. Uh, and if God gave me the word, he's going to see it through. Uh, yeah, my promise may look like it's dead. Oh, but devil, don't be confused. Uh, my God is a God of the dead and a God of the living. He can bring it back to life if he wants to. God can do all things no matter what man says. God does what man says cannot be done. I rebuke every lie of the devil where man comes to you and says, hey, it's over. It's done. You messed up too many times. You've done too many wrong things. Oh, it's over. It's dead. And God steps in and says, hey, try me. Try me. I'm going to bring that thing back to life. And this woman went through all this, and yet she found, again, that miracle child walking and running. <sighs> what an awesome story. It's just like this woman, just as it would have been easy for Abraham and this woman just to give up on the promise. She could have said, man, it's dead, it's over, it's done, fine. I'm going to quit the church. I'm going to quit God. I'm going to move on. Man, isn't that what we do sometimes? When things don't go our way, all of a sudden we get mad, we get angry, we get hurt, we get offended. And we're like, man, forget it. I'm done. I'm out of here. God has failed me. And I'm not saying it's easy in those moments, but I'm telling you, you please just hold on. Just keep holding on to his word. You may not understand it, and it may, may not make sense to you ever, but if you just keep holding on to the hand of God, he's going to bring you through. Mm. I know there's some people that know what I'm talking about. I felt it as I walked in there. There's some people that have been through some stuff. I know some of the stories, but I don't know all the stories. And I know that there's people in this room where you've been through some stuff. And you've been through some, you've been through some dead times where the, the, the devil has stepped in and just killed all your dreams. Killed all your hopes. Killed everything that you thought God wanted to do. And yet God has begun to raise it back up. And God has begun to bring it back to life. Man, that's what God is ready to do for you today. Mm. You see, God is not a respecter of persons because this woman, 
The Bible says she was pretty prominent. She said, I've got all the family I need. I've got all the friends I need. I've got everything I need. I just don't have a kid. So we know that she, she had everything that she needed in the material life. People knew who she was. Yet that is not what got her her miracle. What got her the miracle was that she said, that is a man of God. And I want to do something for the man of God. I'm going to prepare this house for the man of God. I'm going to do something that is pursuing after God. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of hunger for him. He is a respecter of that person that comes to him weary and broken and says, God, I need you. And then you got the person that's standing on the side and said, yeah, I've got it all together. I've got it all together. God, give me my miracle. And we come with such arrogance sometimes and such pride thinking God owes us something. And God doesn't owe us anything. If anything, we owe him everything. He's the one that died on the cross for me. He's the one that shed his blood for me. The woman got her miracle because she went after the things of God. Isn't it time, I think, as a church, as the people of God, we begin to pursue the things of God. Not because we want a grand miracle, but simply we just want relationship with him. And if you have relationship, you open the door to the miraculous. You open the door for God's blessings and God's favor on your life. Mm. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. <laughs> He's faithful that promised. I don't know about you, but there's been some times where my faith may be shaken a little bit. But man, I just keep holding on to the fact that God is faithful. He's been faithful in the past. He'll be faithful now. He'll be faithful in the future. Man, it's easy for us to say it now. Things are going pretty good right now. But man, in those dark days, will you still be able to say God is faithful? Mm. The sad reality is that in our world today, even in the church, trusting in God for everything and in every situation sometimes turns into, I will trust God if, or I will trust God when, or I will trust God until. And if we are not careful, even in the church, don't be deceived. It can creep into the church where you're like, God, I've been faithful. When do I get what I've been wanting? When is it, and when it doesn't happen, all of a sudden, well, why be faithful anymore? I'm going to trust God if this happens, or, or if someone does this, I'm going to trust God, or I'm going to trust God when this begins to happen, or I trust God until troubles come, and then all of a sudden I'm out. If our level of persuasion is based on the ifs, the whens, or the untils, it won't be long until you're not persuaded at all won't be long until you don't want to have don't want to have anything to do with God you see fully persuaded people don't have any other option all we have is God it's God or nothing at all friend I'm not saying you'll never have those questioning moments but I'm saying when you're in those moments, at the, at the end of the day, you know that God is still there. Man, I'll be honest with you. There's days I don't feel God. I don't feel like the hand of God is on me. But what I'm simply trusting in is the word that he is faithful that promised. If he promised it in his word, sometimes that's all I have to cling to. But friend, that's got to be enough some days. Because there's going to be days when God may be silent. But will you keep trusting him? No wonder people fall away because their trust and their faith in God and their love for him is conditional. Aren't you thankful that his love for us is not conditional? And I am thankful that God looks at me and doesn't look at me based on my sin and judge me according to that about how much he loves me. No, he said he loves me unconditionally. Man, I, I wish that, it, that if we really believed that, something would rise up in us, just that heart and that, that, that attitude of thankfulness. God, thank you for loving me, even though I am truly unlovable. Thank you for saving me, even though I'm not worth saving. Oh, thank you for loving me without condition. 
See, it's the, it's the human frailty in the flesh that loves with condition. You say, I love you if you're nice to me. But the moment you're not nice to me, man, I don't love you as much. Or, or the, I love you, God, and, and then things don't go our way, so all of a sudden we don't love him as much. Yet his love never changes. You see, conditional trust in God is weak. Conditional love is weak. It'll fail you. It'll leave you disappointed. It'll leave you frustrated. It will leave you offended. Man, I have seen people get offended at the things of God and walk away from the church. And they want to sometimes make a big show of it. I'm leaving the church. Friend, you're not leaving the church. You're leaving God. Leave the church all you want to, but don't leave God, man. I will say this. If you leave the truth, I, I don't know. You're leaving the church and God at that point. People fall away when their trust, their love, and their faith is conditional. Too many Christians walk with God like this. I may not be talking to anybody in, the church, in this church about it, but there may be somebody here tonight where you've been trusting God, hoping for the payout, so to speak. And I think God is waiting for us just to love him with everything that we've got, not worry about any of the other stuff, and just simply be sold out for him and be fully persuaded that he is God. You see, we trust God as long as he's taking us where we want to go. <laughs> Brother Crane, why don't you come up here and help me with something real quick? I love Brother Crane. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> what I want you to do is just tie, tie this around my eyes so I can't oh, see okay. nothing. Yeah, just Be gentle, though. Easy. <laughs> I'm Bolivian, so we're kind of weak. No. Lord, only, only half of me is Bolivian, though. I'm a half-breed if nobody out there knows that. Yeah, but don't go anywhere, though. He's, I'm blind now. Oh. Is he? I'm Brother Cranth. I want you to just take me anywhere in this building. Take me where I want to go. I want to go to the sound booth. Okay. So take me to the sound booth. Okay. Gotcha. Now, and you need to tell me where I'm going. Okay, I don't step know. down. Okay, where? There you go. Okay, okay. Straight Another ahead. one? All right, now, <laughs> I'm trusting him, and I can't see where I'm going. I think he's taking me there, but I think maybe we should go this way. Go over this and way. I, I need you to take me to the sound booth, though, but I think I'm going to go this way. <laughs> he's not trying very hard to take wrong. me anywhere. I, I'm, I don't know if he really does or not, but I just got to keep trying. I, I got to trust him. I can't see where I'm going, but are you sure it's not this way? You can try it, but you won't are you like sure? It. Are you sure it's not over here? I hear people laughing. It sounds like a good time over there. Well, sounds way. like a good time, but man, where, where is it over here? Where we got? I have to feel something there. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Crane. Oh, hey, Brother George. God bless you. And see, what we do sometimes is as long as God has taken us where we want to go, hey, we got no problems. We got no worries. Yeah, all right, God, take me there. Oh, yeah, come on, glory to God. I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. And then the moment God says, hey, I'm going to mess up your plans a little bit. I, wanna, I want you to go over here and do this. All of a sudden, you're like, man, but I really want to go there. And God's like, yeah, but I really want you to go here. And sometimes you may be walking through life and you can't see anything. And you're simply trusting that word of God that he's going to take you where you need to go. It's in those moments of darkness and blindness when you don't know what's going to happen. Will you keep on trusting him? Will you keep on serving him? Will you keep on letting him lead you? Friend, it's a scary thing when you don't know what the future holds. And God simply says, come on, follow me. Take my hand. I'm going to take you where you need to go. We get into trouble when we let go of the hand of God and we begin to move our way. We see somebody having a good time over. Man, maybe I should go check that out. We see somebody having a good time. Hey, lame, lame, let's go over there a little bit. And God is still standing there. Come on. Come on. I still got a plan for you. I still got a path for you. Will you simply trust me? And if we're in our flesh, it's going to be hard, man. It's going to be hard. Difficult time to trust him. We just say, God, take me from point A to point B. Just get me there how I want to go. And God says, I'm going to do this. But there will be days when you're going to wander. 
You're not going to know what you're doing. But we have got to be persuaded that his word is true. And that if he said, I will take you there, you better just trust him that he's going to take you there. Mm. Trust him he's going to take you there. You see, we've got to, we love to say, Lord, lead me and I'll follow. We used to sing that song, lead me, Lord, and I will follow. Lead me, Lord, and I will go. And we're just, yeah, great. Until the Lord starts to lead us. Oh, wait, God. You want me to go do that? (laughs) You want me to quit the job I've been at for 30 years because I don't have time for you? What's that about? (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) Till the moment God starts to lead us, all of a sudden we have an issue with him leading. Because we've got it in our mind how it's going to work out. And God says, no, trust me, my way is a better way. You may not like his way, but his way is always going to be the better way. (laughs) When God steps in and says, I'm going to turn your world upside down, and I hope and I pray, that day may not have come for you yet, but when that day comes, what will you do? Will you trust him? Daniel tells us the story of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Most of us know the story. If you don't, it was these three Hebrew children that were there, and the, and, and the King Nebuchadnezzar built this, uh, this great uh, statue and this great idol, and he said, when you hear the music, bow down and worship. And these three boys said, ah, no can do, king. No can do. I'm a child of the king, and I cannot bow to anything other than him. And he said, if you don't bow down, here's what's going to happen to you. See, the devil likes to scare us sometimes. If you, if you do that, this is what, let me tell you what's going to happen. And friend, he tells them exactly what, you're going to die. I'm gonna throw, you're going to get thrown in the fiery furnace, and you're going to die. And they said, hey, you know what? You Nebuchadnezzar makes a great mistake. He tries to act all tough, and he asks them the question, and who is it? If you read Daniel 3, 6, 3.15, who is it that God... Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And these three boys, they had an answer. And they said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Whether we die or not, we're going to get out of your hand. You're not going to have anything more to do with us. But if it not. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Friend, it is time the church gets some persuasion down in their spirit because I'm telling you, hell is coming after you. Hell is coming after the church. It's going to take some people of God that will stand and say, come what may, devil, you bring it on all you want to. I'm not going anywhere. I refuse to bow. I refuse to cave to woke culture, to cancel culture. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to still be a child of God. Oh, come on, somebody. You got to get it down in your spirit. It can't be just something on the surface. It's got to be deep down in your spirit that I will not bow no matter what comes my way, no matter how hard life gets, no matter how many times I want to quit. I'm not going to give up. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's time we have a level of persuasion that goes beyond just the surface. It's time we're persuaded just like these boys. Our level of persuasion determines our level of commitment and dedication. Do you think these boys, if they just had a mediocre belief in God, that they would have stood like that? No, friend. They had a deep commitment that went beyond just saying the words. Too often we, we, we get comfortable just saying the words, I love you, Jesus. Oh, God, you're good. You know, I, I'm going to serve the Lord. And yet when, when rubber meets the road and when things really get tough, all of a sudden, yeah. We become like the people the Lord talked to us about. These people love me with their lips. They say nice things, but their heart is far from me. We got to have something in our spirit that's persuaded. If we aren't persuaded now, what makes you think we'll be persuaded then when the real test comes? 
If we're not persuaded now, what's it going to be when the real test comes, when all hell on earth comes after you and it comes knocking on your door and the devil's trying to do everything to tear everything apart in your life and you've never once been persuaded in your life? What makes you think at that moment all of a sudden you're going to find it? Friend, you got to do it now. you got to build that relationship now. Friend, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it, oh, come on, it can start right now, though, where you say, I'm ready to quit messing around with the world. I, I'm ready to quit living like that and then living like this. I'm ready to just go on with Jesus. I, I'm ready to just start living the way he wants me to live. <laughs> if we're not persuaded now, we won't be persuaded then. If people walk away from me, then they walk away from me, fine. If people shun me, if people don't want to talk to me anymore, fine. As long as I've got Jesus with me. As long as God is with me, I'm going to be all right. We may go through the valley of the shadow of death, but that's all right because the Bible says God is with me. That's why I don't have to fear. That's why I don't have to be intimidated. I don't have to worry that God is with me. I was here in this church and Friday, May 14th, it was a, I believe it was one of your guys' revival services, uh, also tied in with a rally, and we were all here, and I was, I was sitting back there, and then the preacher just got up, and he said, just his opening line says, you know what, the Lord's ready to turn some things around and open some doors for somebody, and that was me. I was saying, maybe it was you, man, if you got the same story, then don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, I was sitting right back there where my buddy Kenny's sitting. And that's all I heard from the Lord was, that's all I remember from that service, really, at that mo- from that moment. I don't remember what he preached on. Maybe some of you do. But he just said, the Lord's getting ready to turn some things around and open some doors. And I, I needed that word from God. And guess what? It's six months later, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for God to open the door and turn some things around. But I tell you what, I'm still holding on to that word. That word has gotten me through some darkness. You might say, Dave, what a simple thing. What a silly thought. Friend, maybe to you, but I needed to hear it. My spirit needed to hear it. And when my spirit heard it, my spirit clung to it. And I said, man, I'm going to hold on to that until I see God do it. Until I see God do it. Ben, there's been days in those six months where I thought, God, why have you abandoned me? Why hasn't the promise come to pass? God, why hasn't the door flung open? In my mind, I was like, oh, well, when I get home, man, the door's going to be open. Everything's going to, anybody thought like that? God gives you a word, so then the next week it's going to be done. Yeah, glory to God. Man, six months later, I'm still praying. I'm still, my wife, we're still praying that God's going to turn some things around and open some doors. Man, I believe God's getting ready to. I just need to prepare myself for when it does that I walk through the door. <laughs> to be persuaded. Simply means you're convinced of something. You're confident and you've got faith. You believe it. And until we're fully persuaded, living for God can just be a chore. It can be a battle and a struggle. Because when you're not fully persuaded, Sunday night is, I could do a lot of things on Sunday night. Wednesday night, Lord, come on. I could do a lot of things on Wednesday night. I don't know what night you guys do prayer, but prayer night, come on, Lord. But when you're persuaded, it's like, man, we don't even give it another thought. Man, I'm just going to be in the house of the Lord. When you're persuaded, when the naysayers come and the people come that try to tear you down, it's like, nah, you can say whatever you want to say, but I'm persuaded that the Lord is with me. Too often we're simply persuaded when it's convenient, when we're in prosperity, when God is good, when we're on the mountaintop, when we're in the palace. But when troubles come, all of a sudden we're less persuaded, filled with fear and doubt. All of a sudden God has abandoned us. Friend, don't believe the lie from hell today. (laughs) There's some people, there's a woman in our church Maybe some of you know her. I don't mind name dropping her. Her name is Nancy Watrude. Some of you might know her. She passed away a few years ago. But that woman could walk into a church service, and it could just be service as normal. 
But she would begin to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the spirit, the atmosphere would begin to change. There was times I'd, she'd be way in the back. I'd be way up front playing the piano, just doing my thing. Oh, glory to God. And I could hear her back there saying it. And all of a sudden, you feel the spirit begin to move. And you feel the supernatural move in. And I often wondered, God, what is it about these people that can just walk in and just begin to move the spiritual realm? Maybe you wondered that too. I thought, God, I want that. I want to walk into a service and the Holy Ghost just comes in with me. Friend, what a lie from the devil that says it doesn't. What a lie from the devil that says when you walk into a room, the Holy Ghost doesn't walk in with you. Come on, when you walk into a room and you're born again of water and spirit, friend, the Holy Ghost is walking in with you. You don't need to feel goosebumps to know that God is there. Come on, God is here with us right now. I feel his presence here. And if you do too, why don't you just love him for a moment? Just lift up a hand and say, thank you, Jesus, for your supernatural power. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, you got to get something in your spirit that I'm persuaded when I walk into the presence of God, anything can happen. My sister over here was healed of her back pain on May 14th. That's the date I got marked down. She was standing right over here. And you know what the Lord told me? I was standing right here. The Lord doesn't do a whole lot of crazy things to me. But when he does, I'm like, oh, God, are you sure? I'm praying right here. My wife's standing right there. And the Lord said, look over here. I looked over. I saw you. He said, just go pray for Ask her what she needs prayer for. You didn't say you're back, though. She said something. She said, I need prayer for my heart, I think it was. And she said, and just pray for her. So I just prayed a simple. I'm not saying I'm some big healer or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But I'm, I'm just telling you, when you obey God, you don't know what's going to happen. That's my point. You don't know what's So I just simply laid my hand and I prayed for your heart. And I said, God, would you just heal, the, heal it right now in the name of Jesus. And then that's all. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything big. There wasn't a lightning bolt. There wasn't thunder rolling. It wasn't anything crazy. She didn't dance in the spirit or fall out. I didn't do anything crazy. And that's all we did. I turned and I walked over here. Brenda was over here and, I, and my wife was standing there. I know my wife's problem. She's had back pain for a long time. I want to put my hand on her back. My aunt Brenda came up and began to pray for her. From that moment, God has begun to heal her back. She's not had pain in that spot anymore. And six months later, God's begun to do it. Then five minutes later, this sister walks up to me and says, hey, just so you know, I didn't ask you to pray for it, but I've had pain in my back, and God's healed my back pain. Friend, I'm telling you, when you're persuaded about this thing, you don't have to know all the ins and outs of it. All you got to know that God is able and that God can do it. And if God can do it, friend, I want it. If God can do it, I want it. Why don't you let God use you? Why don't you be sensitive to the Spirit? Hallelujah, Jesus. I know there's people in this church that you operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Friend, I'm challenging you. When Pastor Cox gets up here and begins to preach, why don't you just let the gifts of the Spirit operate? It's going to change the atmosphere of everything that we do. Man, the gifts of prophecy ought to be in here. Come on, the gifts of the Spirit ought to be moving in here. Why not? Why not let it be done in this place? Mm. Hallelujah, Jesus. We had a woman come to our church. She's been in church for a long time. She had a growth on her, or a tumor on her neck. And just, just, like, just like we did tonight, anybody need prayer, come on up. She just came on up, and we just began to pray. We just laid hands on her, prayed for her. She called my dad the next day, said, hey, after you guys prayed for me, that, that tumor, gone, just like that. She said, I could feel it. It's gone now. Friend, I know that's not a new story. You're saying, well, that's an old story. I've heard that many times. Friend, I'm glad you've heard it. I had never seen it till that day. So there's a lot of things I've heard about. I'm ready to see them now. Friend, I'm ready to see the supernatural. I want to see blinded eyes open. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see those people that have never been able to talk, be able to speak. Oh, come on, somebody. (laughs) And I want to see it with everything I've got. But I can guarantee you this, I'm not going to see it if I'm just lukewarm about it. Oh, maybe God can do it today, maybe not. Friend, when I, sister, when I pray for you, I just, I believe God is going to do it according to your faith, just like the Bible says. And now here's the thing. I think if we're surprised somebody gets healed, we had nothing to do with that at all. Not our faith whatsoever. Friend, I'm telling you this. When somebody gets the Holy Ghost, I'm never surprised. Man, come on. You might think I'm trying to be super spiritual. No, I believe what the Bible says. 
that I, I'm not surprised when somebody's healed. Because that's why we're here. That's what we come into. That's what we preach about. I preach about signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't have to have seen them to preach about them. Don't get me wrong, friend. You can still preach about it and just proclaim it that God is able to do it. If you're waiting to see the dead raised before you'll preach about the dead being raised, you're never going to preach about it. If you if you got to wait to see signs, wonders, and miracles before you'll preach about it, oh, man. Lord, help me. Mm. Some people can move heaven, and why not let that be us? When we walk into this place, pastor will be up here, and he'll just feel it when he sees you walking. He'll feel the moving of the Holy Ghost. Friend, that doesn't happen if you're just having a mediocre walk with God. If you're in one Sunday, out the next. You're in one Wednesday, out the next. You're in one year, out the next year. You only come to God when your life is in shambles. Friend, why not we just serve God with everything we've got now so that the supernatural can be opened, the windows of heaven can be opened, and blessings can be poured out. Uh, Friend, I'm ready to see that revival. We've begun to see it, uh, but I want to see it continue. Come on, stand with me if you would tonight. When will the whole church seek him with their whole heart? When will everybody get a hold of him like they never have before? (laughs) Friend, let me tell you this. Don't let the unpersuaded persuade you. Don't let that person that says it didn't happen persuade you it didn't happen. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know about you, but there's naysayers in my life. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we let it bleed into our spirit. We let it come into our mind. We let it come into our heart sometimes. Where it just starts to bring us down. Anybody been there before? You're you're on cloud nine and somebody just says one dumb word. And you're just like, man, you, you could go in and you could preach the greatest revival and all of a sudden they say one thing and all of a sudden you're just deflated. Don't be that person. If you can't be encouraging to your brother and sister, don't say anything at all. <laughs> the devil does a good enough job coming after the people of God. He doesn't need you to do his job. See, sometimes we have this attitude. Well, I go to church sometimes. Well, I pray sometimes. I even pray through sometimes. I repent sometimes. I've thought about getting baptized. Yeah, maybe I'll get the Holy Ghost someday. Maybe it's for me, maybe not. And we say, isn't that enough? That I have the desire, isn't that enough? No, man. Not enough. What happened to the daily walk with God? The Bible doesn't talk about any of these periodic moments. It talks about a daily walk with God. Good intentions and well-meaning only go so far if there's no action taken. Faith without works is dead, friend. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe nobody. If I'm not talking to anybody, just forgive me and let's move on. Praise God. (laughs) But if the Lord's talking to you, man, I I just want you to respond to him. Whatever it might be, whatever God is wanting to do, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader. But I will tell you that sometimes the Lord will speak to you and tell you some things about somebody. It's will we be sensitive enough when the spirit moves? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. What is your level of persuasion tonight? Where are you at in your walk with God tonight? Maybe you walked into this place and you said, well, you know what? It's just another Sunday night, friend. No, don't let this just be another Sunday. It's up to you if this is just another Sunday night. It's up to you if this is just another moment for you to walk out of here with those same chains you came in with. It's up to you if you walk out of here unforgiven. It's up to you if you walk out of here without what you came in here needing. Man, I tell you what, the Spirit of the Lord is here if you need it, if you want it, if you ask for it. Mm. Mm. Amen. We're going to get ready to worship the Lord, and we're going to have an altar call, and we're going to love the Lord for a moment.
our musicians could come. And we're going to just let the Lord do what he wants to do. There are times when you will only have a word from God. You won't have the goosebumps. You won't have the lightning bolts. (laughs) I wish we did every time. I wish every time we just felt, whoo, glory to God. (laughs) Sometimes we don't. But will you trust him anyway? Will you trust in his word anyway? Will you be fully persuaded tonight? I'm not... I'm not trying to really drag anybody to an altar or anything like that. All I'm simply saying is that if you're not fully persuaded, that means you're not heaven bound, friend. Be honest with you. If you're not fully persuaded that this is the truth and the only way to heaven, Could it be that we have missed the promises of God fulfilled in our lives because we're simply not fully persuaded? Could it be that God has been calling us to a deeper walk, to a new level, to another level of ministry or another realm in the supernatural, and we simply have not gone because we're convinced that's not for me? Ah, God, that wasn't you speaking to me. I'm telling you, we got to get fully persuaded that, God, when you speak, I'm going to listen. Could it be that it's our complacency or our pride that gets in the way where we foolishly think we don't need God, but we are fine and we don't need to repent? Fine just the way I am. Friend, don't be so foolish. Man, we've got to love God in those dark days, in those days of heartache and trouble, in those days when you're walking blind, you've got to just keep trusting him. And keep holding on to his hand. Mm. You got to ask yourself tonight, what is your level of persuasion tonight? I will tell you this, even if you give up on your promise, even if you give up on the things of God, he has not given up on you. My brother Sam, most of you know him. And I asked him, I said, Sam, can I name drop you in my when I preach? He goes, man, if my testimony helps anybody, you tell anybody you want, you use my name, you use everything I've done. I said, all right. My brother Sam walked away from God many years ago and just went off and did a lot of, a lot of worldly things. And he's at a church up in the Twin Cities now. And, and I remember my mom and dad just praying and praying and praying for him. And some of you know, if, you know, if you've got any children that have left the church and walked away from God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there. And there's nine children in my family, so most people would say, well, you got seven of the nine. I'm being sarcastic. I know that's ridiculous, but I think that's how some people looked at our family. I said, well, you, Juan, you got most of your kids. Isn't that a victory? And we prayed for Sam a lot. And it was one day out of the blue. You know what we had thought in our mind? Oh, that promise is dead. It's in the Lord's hands now. (laughs) Maybe you thought that too. Well, you prayed about it enough. Friend, you never pray about it enough. Maybe you're just one prayer short of seeing them walk in that door. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Just bear with me for just a moment. But he came back to that church. And you know what the message we got from somebody? was, hey, Sam was in church on Sunday. That was a text we almost never expected to receive. And then we got another text. Sam was in church on Wednesday. Kind of like, what's going on? And then it was, hey, Sam was in church on Sunday again. And then pretty soon it was, hey, Sam's involved in our men's ministry. And then it was, hey, Sam's leading our men's ministry. 
And then it was, hey, Sam's encouraging people in the Lord. Because my dad always said that Sam had the gift of prophecy. And I've had people come up to me since Sam has been back in church. He's been back in church for a couple of years now. And he's got a, a wife and they're expecting a child and all that good stuff. They're gonna, God's just doing awesome things in his life. And that's what happens when you get persuaded. You can be unpersuaded for a while. Just make sure you get persuaded again and you, and you get into this thing. <laughs> oh, come on. And God's beginning to do a work in his life and he's beginning to to speak to people and tell people and help people in their walk with God. Friend, I'm telling you, if you get a hold of this thing and you get fully persuaded, you have no idea what God will do in your life. If you want that tonight and you say, God, I want to move into that next level. God, I'm I'm tired of just going through the motions if it's like that. I'm tired of not doing what you want me to do. God, I want to be fully committed, fully persuaded. I want to ask you to come. And so nobody's singled out. I want to ask the church to come. So you can just come along with the people of God. You don't have to make a big show of it. I just want to ask the church, would you come? And would you just let the Lord move you into the next level tonight? Come on, if you need healing, friend, I'm convinced you can be healed tonight. I'm convinced you can be forgiven tonight. I'm convinced that God can deliver you tonight. Friends, sometimes we come into church, we're so depressed, we're so down and out, we're ready to kill ourselves, we're ready to end it all. Friend, I'm telling you, God is ready to step in and give you peace in your mind. God's ready to give you peace in your troubled mind right now. In the name of Jesus, come on. If you're struggling in your walk with God, I'm telling you, if you get fully persuaded and you begin to walk with him and you begin to talk with him, come on, he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He can bring bring back to life that promise that you think is dead right now. Come on, I need somebody to help me pray tonight. Come on, let's just love him tonight. Come on, God's ready to do a work right now. If you want it, if you're ready to receive it, you just lift up your hand and say, God, I'm ready. Right now, I want it to be my day. Right now, I want this to be my moment. I want the Holy Ghost to move on me. Come on, if, you, if you've been praying for something, come on, believe that God can do it right now. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.